Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. We are looking at some immediate effect of what happened to Adam and if what happened to them and in them as an immediate effect of their rebellion, as an immediate effect of their transgression, as an immediate effect of their disobedience. And we are looking at three things in particular. We talk about shame. We talk about fear. We have talked about those two, but there's another issue that we've not talked about. So today, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at the subject of excuses. And remember, as we look at these things, it's not much about Adam. It's not much about Eve. It's really more about us. Because these things are written for our admonition, for our teaching. We're looking at this story so that we know where it all started from, where we come from, and where we are going. So let's read Genesis chapter 3 from verse 6. And when the woman saw, that is Eve, that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked and they saw fig trees together and made themselves apron. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of of the Lord and among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hide myself. Okay, verse 11. And God said, Who told thee that thou was naked? As thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou givest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now, one of my resource book called the scandal that happened in the Garden of Eden, he called it Eden Gate. So this is from a book titled The First Chapters of Everything. It's one of the resource books that I've been using. It's by Alas Dear Pain. You can see the name at the bottom of this quote. So I quote, It becomes part of our language ever since the Watergate burglary in 1972. If you don't know the Watergate, that was about the pre- president of America, President Nixon. I'm not going to go into the story. I'll read it again. It bec- it's become part of our language ever since the Watergate burglary in 1972 and the subsequent cover-up. The word ending gate has been applied to episode in public life where there is deliberate attempt to conceal some wrongdoing. And this is very, very important. A cover-up. A deliberate attempt to conceal some wrongdoing. And that is when people add gate behind this incident. So let me now add to the list, Eden Gate. We are in the Garden of Eden and the man and the woman have just eaten the very fruit God has commanded them not to eat. They have wanted to be like him, knowing good and evil, just as in the original Watergate scandal, when an apparently small act had momentous consequences. So it is here. The cover-up 
begins. They wanted wisdom. And all that happened was that they realized that they were naked. But this is no longer the nakedness without shame that they had enjoyed. Now they need to cover things up. So we have looked at how they try to cover up their shame and silence their fear in a ridiculous way. And what we are going to talk about today is a game that we all play. We all play this game. It is the blame game. And Henry Blusher in his book in the beginning called it Pathetic Excuses. We read it the last teaching. So that's what we want to look at today. The blame game. The pathetic excuses. Just like their attempt at covering up their shame and their attempt at silencing their fear. Their fear was so pathetic. Also, they tried to cover up their sin. They tried to cover up their rebellion. They tried to cover up their disobedient by this blame game, by these pathetic excuses. From where we have read, God confronted Adam and Eve. God confronted them with the reality of their disobedience. God confronted them with the reality of their transgression of his covenant, with the reality of their rebellion. And what I want you to see and pay pay close attention to is the reason Adam and Eve gave for their actions. And this is classic because this is still what we see around us today. So in Genesis chapter 3, we've read it, verse 11, the Lord first of all confronted Adam because he's the man. He was the one that God created first. So the Lord God confronted Adam with his action, asking him what he has done. So when we read that Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, God said, who told thee that thou was naked? This is God confronting Adam. Has thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. The simple answer will have been, yes, I have eaten of the tree, of the fruit of this tree. But no, Adam has a different idea. Adam has a different answer. Adam's response was classic. He played the blame card. He passed the book. So let's read Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Let's read Adam's classic response to God's confrontation. And the man said, the woman whom thou gave it to me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now the emphasis here, the simple answer should have been, I did eat. I ate, I've eaten of this fruit of the tree you told me not to eat. No, no, that was not the emphasis for Adam. The emphasis is, Adam said, the woman, the problem is the woman and you, the woman whom thou givest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Adam took no personal, no personal responsibility for his disobedience. He took no personal responsibility for his rebellion. He took no personal responsibility for his sin. He took no personal responsibility for his transgression. Rather, he blamed his wife. And then he blamed God who gave him the wife. Remember when God gave him the wife, he was happy. He said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Therefore shall she be called woman. And for this purpose shall he man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and his two children. Yes, it was all laughter. It was all delight. But now it has turned sour. Rather than Adam facing up to the responsibility of what he has done, he blamed his wife and he even there to blame God. God, it is your fault. It is the fault of the woman and it is ultimately your fault. And if what I'm saying is sounding familiar, it is because it is, because we all are still playing 
this same game. But Eve did not fear any better. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, the Lord also, the Lord God also confronted Eve with her actions, with her rebellion, with her sin, asking her also what she has done. So we read that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. What is this that thou hast done? <laughs> and what did the woman say? Let's read what the woman said in Genesis chapter 3. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I eat. Her response was the same. She also played the blame card. She also passed the book. But the question here is that who is Eve going to blame? Eve blamed the serpent. Like Adam, Eve also took no responsibility for her error. She took no responsibility for her transgression. She took no responsibility for her sin. She took no responsibility for her rebellion. She blamed the serpent. The question is, who is the serpent going to blame? Of course, God did not waste his time having a conversation with the serpent. Why? Because the serpent was not created in the image and the likeness of God. It was these two that were created in the image and the likeness of God. God did not waste his time talking to the serpent, asking the serpent question. Now he's going to give judgment. We are going to come to that somewhere down the line. Adam and Eve were simply saying something. It is not my fault. Again, if that sounds familiar to you, it is because it is familiar. What Adam was and Eve were saying is, it's not my fault. Adam said, Lord, it's not my fault. Yes, I ate the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but it's not my fault. If you have not given me this woman, this would not have happened. Eve was saying, it's not my fault. If the serpent has not beguiled me, I would not have eaten. All this is someone else's fault, they are saying. It's either other person's fault or it's God's fault. It is Eve's fault. It is the serpent's fault for letting all this happen. Or it is God's fault for letting all this thing happen. You know, the suffering in the world is all God's fault. If, if there's God, there's suffering in the world. It must be. <laughs> no, it's not never our fault. We are always pointing fingers at other people. But you know the common saying that if you point a finger at people, one finger you point at people, the other three apart from the thumb is pointing back at you. Again, I'm repeating this. Does this sound familiar? Yes, it is familiar. Because how often do we say that the sin or the result of our sin are the fault of others? That they are not our fault. We blame everyone else but ourselves. And oftentimes we even blame God. We blame our parents. It was my parents, it is where I was born, it is my upbringing, it is the environment in where I was raised up, it is just the way I am, this is the way we do it in my, this, you know, this is our character and our family, it is my wife, oh, it is my hormone, it is that time of the month, it is the teacher that failed me, you know, it is because of my gender, my color, and the list goes on and on. We blame everything else for our shortcomings, I shouldn't be calling it shortcomings, our transgression, our sins, our rebellion. We blame everybody and everything else but ourselves. But let's understand this. This reason may be a factor or a contribution in or to the process. But ultimately, you and I are responsible for our action. 
you know, it reminds me the story that people always tell of two identical male twins that were brought up by an alcoholic and an abusive father. They saw their father drink life out of himself and drink life out of his family. They saw him, you know, abuse their mom. And they grew up. These identical male twins grew up. And one of them turned out to be the very opposite of his father. He was responsible and he was loving. He has a home. He has a wife. He has children. He was loving. He was responsible. But his brother turned out to be exactly like their father. An alcoholic, irresponsible, and abusive. Both of them grew up in the same environment. Both of them grew up, were brought up by the same parent. And we must be clear that indeed their environment and their upbringing were critical. There's no doubt about that. There are studies that shows that the environment in which we grew up will affect us one way or the other. But each of them are ultimately responsible for how they respond to their environment and to their challenges. Because one of them turned out right and the other one turned out wrong. The one that turned out wrong cannot turn around and say it is my father's fault. What about your brother? You didn't turn out wrong. So at the end of the day, we cannot blame our environment. Don't misunderstand me. We are not playing these things down. We are not saying that they don't have influence and they do not affect. But what we are saying is that ultimately you and I are responsible for our action. You know, we read this in James chapter 1 verses 13 to 15. We read it this in the past. So I'm going to read it again. But this time I'm going to read it from the easy to read version. James chapter 1 verses 13 to 15. Whenever you feel tempted to do something bad, you should not say God is tempting me. Evil cannot tempt God and God himself does not tempt anyone. You are tempted and this is very important. You and I, we are tempted by evil things we want. You are tempted by the evil things you want. Now, somebody may tempt us, but the truth is that we yield to that temptation because there's already a desire for us to move in that direction anyway. Your own desire leads you away and traps you. Your desire grows inside you until it results in sin. Then the sin grows bigger and bigger and finally ends in death. But what we are establishing here is, again, I want to say this, we are not playing down the influence, oftentimes the adverse influence of this factor in our life. But what we are saying is that ultimately it is our choice. It is the way we react to things. So there are various lessons that you and I can learn here. Number one, though we try to avoid our responsibilities by putting the blame on other people, on another party, that does not mean that we pull the wool over the eyes of God. (laughs) Someone listening to me. All right. God is king. God is smart. God is a just judge. And we're going to talk about God being a judge by the grace of God. Hopefully the next teaching or the teaching after that. More about that by God's grace. All right, the fact that we blame other people doesn't mean that God is going to give us a pass or God is going to give me a pass just because I found somebody I can blame. You know, the reason I came late to class is because blah, 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 blah. That doesn't mean that God is going to give us a pass because number one, God knows the truth. God knows our heart. He knows our desire. He knows our emotion. He knows our ambition. God knows the truth. 
The fact that you and I can accuse another party does not excuse us or exonerate us before God. You know, people always think that if only I can find somebody to, you know, if I can find somebody to blame, then I will be, you know, excused. No, the fact that you find somebody to blame doesn't mean you are right. And even if that fellow did contribute in one way or the other, the, f- the fact is that the final decision is yours. You made that decision to, to do what you do and to say what you say or not to do what you didn't do or not to say what you didn't say. And this is very important for us to understand that our very excuses point accusing finger back at us. Because, why is that? Because we have free moral agent we are created we are creation of free will you are creation of free will so when when eve was saying that the you know the serpent beguiled me what do you mean the serpent beguiled you yes the serpent tempted you quite all right but you agree with it you weigh the option okay you weigh the option you receive the touch you weigh the option you had you had the option you could have Stop the, the, the serpent. You could have casted the serpent out. You could have stopped the mouth of the serpent. You know, we went through all this. So you cannot say it's, it's the serpent. So ev- at every point that we try to excuse ourselves, every our very excuse point a fing- accusing finger back at us. Because you and I, we are creation of free will. We There's always a choice. People say, but I didn't have a choice. No, we always have a choice. It is always whether we are ready to pay the price to do the right thing. Everybody always have a choice. Now, it, it may be a tough choice. Don't misunderstand me. It may be a difficult choice, right? But you and I, we always, I always have a choice. I have a choice. of. I have a choice whether I should take that alcohol or not. I have a choice whether I, do, I should go to that place or not. I have a choice whether I should defile myself or not. I have a choice whether I should look after my family. I have a choice whether I should get angry or not. There's always a choice. You and I, we have a choice. You cannot say, the devil made me do it. No, no, no. That is not going to give you and I a pass before God. I have a choice. I have a choice to pray or not to pray. I have a choice to study the Bible or not to study the Bible. I have a choice to spend my whole life watching TV or surfing the internet or or to do something better with my life. We all have a choice. Again, like I said, it can be a tough choice. can be a difficult choice. But we always have a choice. Adam could have said no to Eve. Eve could have resisted the serpent. And I wonder how many animals Satan went, you know, to to use before he came to serpent. I'm just wondering. The Bible didn't tell us. But I just wonder. If we deny sin, if I deny my responsibility, if I deny my disobedience, if I deny my transgression, if I deny my my rebellion, if I deny sin, the sin does not disappear. My denial of the reality of my sin does not exonerate me. The sin does not disappear. Rather, unfortunately, it only grows bigger. It only grows worse. And it is this propensity that we all have as human, this propensity to want to excuse ourselves, to want to deny that we are sinners to want to deny that we are weak in ourselves. It is this propensity of human to excuse ourselves that is broken by the conviction of sin in order that healing may begin. And this is what the Holy Spirit does when, when we get born again. The Holy Spirit strips us naked. 
we see ourselves for who we really are. You know, we we cover ourselves, you know, we've mentioned it, we cover ourselves with all these ideologies, with all these rogue science so-called. We think we are the next big thing. We 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 just hide ourselves in the sand and we refuse to f- to face the reality that stare at us in the mirror. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger upon our life and we allow him to reveal to us who we are for who we are, not because God wants to condemn us. No, no, no. It's because God wants to help us. I mean, listen to me. You will not go to a doctor if you don't know there is a problem. I mean, somebody that, for example, that is peeing blood, if you don't know that peeing blood or weeing blood, if you don't know that passing blood in your wee, if you don't know that that is, <laughs> that is wrong, then you won't go to a doctor. I want to tell you, if you are passing blood in your wee, that is serious. You need to go and see your doctor. All right? That is serious. It should not be weeing blood, peeing blood in your wee. If you are a postmenopausal woman, that means that you stop having period. You are in, at that stage that <laughs> Sarah was before God reversed everything. You have, you, you have stopped seeing your period for two years or more, and then suddenly you started bleeding, having period. That is serious. But you have to know. I've, I've had people come to me and say, I didn't know it is, I didn't know it's abnormal. I just thought I was having period. No, 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 no. That is wrong. That is not supposed to be. See, if we don't know, if we, if we either excuse it or we are ignorant, then we are not going to seek help. And I'll say this again. It is this propensity of we human to want to excuse ourselves. It is that propensity for, for, for one thing that kept us in darkness. It is that propensity for one thing that keeps us as in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of the devil that will take people to hell. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to break through this propensity that we have and by the grace and the mercy of God, we receive the conviction of sin and then we can be saved. Then we can be healed. Then we can be restored because that is what God is all about. So there are still some few thoughts we are still going to look into and explore around this catastrophic event that we are reading in Genesis chapter 3. You know, we are taking verse 6 to 13 and we are going round and round again and receiving instruction. So there's still a couple of things we still need to look at because I'm stopping now. We still need to look at what more does it tell us about the nature of God, about who God is, and what does this tell us about the relationship at this junction, at this critical junction, the relationship between Adam and his wife, especially with respect to their sexuality. So by the grace of God, next time, we will look into this. And if you're listening to me, it's up to you. Nobody can force you. You can decide to go on the way of destruction. I'm hoping that you will allow the Holy Spirit to convict you tonight. To say, look, there's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end of that is a way of destruction. This world is headed for destruction, but there's a way out. God is providing you and I an opportunity for a new life, for a new beginning. He's offering you an entrance into his kingdom. But there is only one way you can get into that. It's not by being religious. It is by receiving the provision of salvation on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, then something will change inside of you and then you will begin to walk in a new life. Do it today. All you have to do is to accept that, you know what? I'm a sinner. I need help. I'll come to the helper. It will help you. It will save you. 
then it will walk the rest of your life with you on this earth. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in heaven because he wants some people. He wants he want a family and you will be, you will be adopted into his family. And you and I, once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, because that's the only way, name that is given, then we'll become a member of his family. Here on earth, when it's all over in eternity to come, please do it now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.